Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 51. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 51, the beginning of the new buy sen or half a sen what's the word for half a century something the 50 mark thing i don't even know what it's called but anyway we start the second set of 50 will we make it only you will find out you can't go anywhere you wouldn't want to go anywhere because i'm gene bogart gary's podcast co-host and co-producer co-guy whatever the heck i am <laughs> where did the music go oh I did not do that. I did not do... And I don't make this stuff up. Oh, what a day. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But you know who we're going to talk with? The star of the show. The man himself. Would you welcome him, please, as the audience goes crazy? It is Mr. Gary Renard! Yes, quite an ovation there. That's okay. How you doing, Gene? They love you, man. They just love you. The silence was deafening. Oh, they love your humor, too, you know. It's... Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, we need that. They're wild. Okay. All right, you guys, calm down. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> Gary is here. Okay. Hey, buddy, how are you? What is going uh, on? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, I was just getting over cold. You know, I just uh, did an all-weekend. Cindy and I both did an all-day uh, weekend. Maybe about 12 hours worth of teaching. Uh, retreat workshop just outside of Chicago for uh-huh. Infinity Foundation. Ah. And uh, even though I had a cold, it was really good. I mean, these were like, you know, the best people ever. They were just absolutely fantastic. It was a great time, great people. And uh, now, you, You're not making me. a judgment about other people there, are you, Gary? No, nah, they're all good. I mean, <laughs> you know, Course, Course in Miracles students are pretty much the same everywhere. Yeah. Uh, no matter where you go in the world, they're just the greatest people uh, there was just something about this uh, crowd that was kind of like a, a synergy or synergy or whatever you call it. Uh, it just all it all complemented each other, and it was just a, a great group. It really felt like everything was uh, in the flow. And we go there for Infinity Foundation every two years. We'll be back in two years. Uh, most places we don't go to every year because... You know, the people get used to you, and they may take you for granted a little bit, knowing that you're going to be there every year. But if you go every two years, people seem to get uh, a little bit more excited, and and uh, plus there's fresher material. There might be a new book out, and, uh, you know, it's just the way that we like to do it. Plus, where I'm uh, more international now, I, I think that I'm probably uh, the most international uh, teacher of the course, in the sense that I just go to more different countries. Yeah than uh, anybody else has. You are an international man of mystery. That's right. Yeah. Uh, international man. Now, you, you have traveled the world. I mean, you've been to Asia. Uh, have you been to, did you do South Africa? Were you there? Uh, no. Uh, that's one place that I haven't done. Okay. Hay House in South Africa has not invited me to come. Oh, I can't understand why. Africa. So, uh, you know, in, in, I bow to their infinite wisdom, but I may, you know, find somebody else to uh, bring me there, because people are always asking, and uh, Cindy and I never really try to go anywhere. We don't initiate uh, the workshops. Uh, they're always the result of somebody inviting us to go mm-hmm. 
to that particular country. So, uh, like, I'll be going twice next year to mainland China, and that was the result of an organization there asking me, you know, to come. It's not like I, I wrote to China and said, hey, can I speak there? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I think that's the best way to do it, because then you know that they're really interested, uh, you know, that they really want you to come, and uh, they'll be enthusiastic. Right. Where right. if you try to make something happen yourself, then that's not always the case. So, you know, I, I just don't do that. I just wait to be invited. And so far, it's been uh, 26 countries, and uh, there'll be more. Uh, for example, it looks like we're going to go for the first time to South Korea also uh, next year. And uh, make sure make sure you get that correct. And it's South Korea. You don't want to yeah. have a mistake on that air ticket. You know. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, hopefully, uh, Kim Kim Wong John or whatever his name is, <laughs> uh, he won't uh, you know fire more missiles into the ocean uh. while I'm there. Because you know, I mean. He, if I was the ocean, I'd be very afraid of North Korea. But yeah, wouldn't wouldn't it be great that where where would you need the message of the course more than in some place like a you know what we would call a dark region, you know, mentally spiritually dark as as North Korea is. But you know, the course uh, doesn't ask for martyrs, so let's not force the issue. But boy, it'd be great if maybe uh, Dennis Rodman, if we could get him to be a course person, then maybe he could take it with him when he goes to see Kim John over there and. You know, they seem to like each other, so it's a thought. Well, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind uh, teaching the course to Dennis Rodman, but I think it might take a lot of work. It could be, could be. Yeah, but uh, that's okay. But, you know, time doesn't really exist. That's true. You have eternity for this, so, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'd love to go to Africa and uh, maybe South Africa. And one thing, you know, there's only a couple of really big travel goals that I have just for fun, you know, because it's... It is an illusion, but at the same time, uh, you know, I go to the movies, and that's an illusion. Yeah. But I still enjoy it, and uh, if I could, I would love to go on a safari in uh, Africa. That would be really cool. What What would be your uh, your big game hunting targets that you'd want to kill and mount on your wall? Well, I wouldn't hunt. Oh, uh, I was so glad you said that. <laughs> I was only kidding. But yeah, yeah, they do a lot of uh, f- photographic safaris and things, and, and many of them, maybe all now, are done for fundraising to help protect. The- now, again, they still do have hunting safaris, which I cannot understand how in the modern world... I, you know, there's a whole separate discussion we won't get into, but I when I look at a tiger or an elephant... Honest to goodness, the last thing I think of is, boy, I'd like to kill that thing and mount its head on my wall. It's like, good Lord, how ghoulish that seems now. I understand years ago it was different, and, you know, hopefully people are becoming more enlightened all the time. But how can people do that? It's just staggering to me. So uh, I'm glad that uh, I, I would love to see them in their natural habitat in a situation where your money spent is going to preserve them and their and their wild way of life, you know, so. Yeah, they really are uh, beautiful animals. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a place here uh, in California about, oh, an hour and a half from us that was started by the actress uh, Tippi Hedren. Oh, yeah, I remember her from... Uh, and, uh, uh, her the... place is called Shambhala Preserve. Uh-huh. And Cindy and I have been there, and she has... They're only open to the public, like, one day a month. And uh, they have, uh, you know, lions and, and tigers and panthers mm-hmm. and jaguars and uh, all different kinds of cats. 
and uh, it's really interesting because you can get very close to them. You know, so like in, in a zoo, not like in a zoo where you you know you can't like get close to them. You can be like within five feet of them, and uh, it's really interesting. And they're just great, beautiful uh, animals. And I agree. I, I just couldn't imagine myself wanting to hurt an animal like that, even though uh, it's true that an animal like that might want to kill you. But that's you know the way that uh, they're born. That's what you know. they do. <laughs> yeah. So, and. Uh, you know, Tippi Hedren, by the way, uh, her husband and her daughter, who is uh, Melanie Griffith, the actor. Uh, oh, actress, you know, uh, I don't think I ever knew that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they made a movie in the 70s called Roar, R-O-A-R. Yeah, I think I heard of that. And they have all these lines in the movie. There must be 20 of them. And uh, people couldn't figure out how they did these scenes with these lions, because they're right in the middle of all these lions, and the lions are jumping on them, and and uh, doing all this activity, and people are wondering, how the hell did they do that without getting killed? Yeah. And uh, it turned out that they actually rose uh, these animals from birth. They actually uh, raised them, they lived with them, uh, they stayed with them all the time, they were always together, so the animals were so used to them, right? like being part of the family, or part of the, of the uh, pack, or, or whatever you you think of it. Right. Uh, the pride. Yeah, it's like, the, so if the lions didn't kill them and would play with them and, and uh, do all these scenes in the movie. And it's, it's really something to see. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It, it, it is incredible. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's so many things on YouTube now. What is it, Christian the Lion, that, that one where the two British guys had raised him as a cub? They rescued him from some pet store in London by buying him. They didn't steal him. Right. And then they raised him, but he started getting... And they would drive around London. They had pictures of him in a in an open Jaguar or something, and uh, the car. <laughs> and here they've got this this pretty good-sized lion sitting on the chair and the seat, you know, as they drive around. Um, but eventually they said they had to, you know, you know the story. And they brought him to yeah. some lion preserve in Africa. And then they were reunited like a year later, and he comes over. And, and he, when he's on his back feet, he's talking than they are and he's grabbing them and kissing and licking them and and just you can just see the affection just like your cat like luna does to you or cindy except this thing is 500 pounds it could kill you at an instant but you know so it's a wild animal we i wouldn't recommend anybody go do this and i think tigers as beautiful as they are are considered a bit more aggressive than lions but Nevertheless, you know, there are those times when, when you have those beautiful experiences, assuming that they don't end up killing you, which they might do at any moment. So, yeah, it, well, you know, on uh, safari, they tell you, uh, don't get out of the truck. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and people have, and uh, oh. people have been killed doing so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. you know. You know, I guess it's in some ways as humans, as as we have developed, we've we've separated ourselves from the process of nature. I think in our in a somewhat more natural or more primordial state, we would never think to expose ourselves to a giant predator because they will kill you and eat you. It's simply what they do. But nowadays, it's all like a cartoon to us. It's like, oh, a tiger, let me go and pet him. Won't that be cute? <laughs> you know, not always. <laughs> well, that, that would be Cindy. She'd be saying, oh, what a cutie. Yeah. What a yeah. cutie. Uh because you can't resist them. My biggest question has, I know we're way off topic here, but my biggest question has always been, you look at a tiger, it's one of the most fearsome predators on the planet, and it's so beautiful. Why do those things go together in nature? 
I mean, I can see that humans, we get hypnotized by its beauty and we sit and go, I can't believe how gorgeous this thing is until it kills you and eats you. But does that work on antelopes and wildebeests? Do they also go, my God, that tiger is gorgeous just as it attacks them to, you know, stun them with its magnificence? I don't know. But why else? Why would it naturally develop such unimaginably beautiful looks? I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, I have a video, uh, it's an old video of Cindy, uh, and she's actually walking down a path with a tiger, a uh. real tiger, a real grown tiger, and she has it like on a rope, like a <laughs> leash, and uh, she did it at this ranch where they train wild animals, uh. and Cindy is practically fearless, Yeah, and, you know, she uh, she doesn't, she's not even afraid of things that she probably should be afraid of, Yeah, <laughs> and uh you know, it's just really interesting to see this, uh, you know, petite lady uh, walking this tiger down the path. And, of course, uh, off-camera, they're throwing hunks of meat in front of them so <laughs> that the tiger <laughs> will be walking along, and, you know, to get to the meat. And, and so because of that, the tiger doesn't care that much about Cindy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep him, but still, keep him otherwise. Still, you know, I, I thought it still took a lot of nerve to uh, oh, yeah. be doing that. Because, you know, even trained tigers have been known uh, to kill people, so... Yeah. Oh, you never look at Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. You know, and they uh, later, you know, he, I, I think it was Roy, right, that got got attacked uh, by there, and that was a tiger, and they had raised it from being a kitten, and you know, and they said there was, and even afterwards, he said, this is just what happens. You know, uh, it doesn't mean that the cat doesn't still love me and that I don't still love it. And they had a, still maintained a relationship. I think they worked differently. But, uh, you know, look how it is with our cats. And, and we have a bunch here and you have Luna over there. Periodically, they attack you. It's just what cats do. Bootsy will get yeah. me to rub her belly. And she gives me that little look and she rolls on her back and she wiggles. And I, oh, I can't resist it. And I rub the belly and she's purring. And then the next thing I know, the little back feet come up and the claws come out and she rakes across my wrist. It's what cats do. It doesn't mean she doesn't love me. She's being a cat. Now, there's a difference between a 15-pound cat <laughs> attacking you and a 700-pound tiger attacking you, you know, so. Uh. Yeah, like if Luna doesn't like what I'm doing, like if, if I won't let her outside when she wants to go outside because I think it's too late or something, yeah. uh, she'll bite my foot. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just telling me, hey, hey, yeah. what are you doing? You know, I want to go outside. And, you know, that's fine, but if a tiger did that to you, well, you wouldn't have any foot. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but it's the same idea. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, we both have. But anyway. But... Because I wanted to talk about uh, this week, because it happened uh, so recently. Yeah. Was uh, the death of uh, Robin Williams. It's appropriate and... that we've had all this laughter, and then we bring up suicide. But I think, you know, Robin. Well, you know, uh, Robin's the perfect the, thing to tie this together, really. I saw uh, David Letterman last night give a very nice tribute yeah. to uh, Robin Williams, and it was all mostly laughter in uh, you know, uh, film clips and very good things and very good feel-good things. But then at the end he said, look, uh, you know, I really didn't know. I just really didn't know that he was in pain and that he was suffering. And that is uh, so often the case. Yeah. With a lot of people who commit suicide, people are surprised because people, a lot of people are very good at keeping their feelings inside, and you don't see the pain that they're in and uh, how difficult things have become for them until it's too late. Yeah. And then they'll try uh, different treatments, like they have all these drugs out there now that uh, psychiatrists prescribe for people with depression. And you see the advertisements 
you know, for some of these drugs uh, on <laughs> I, TV. I know where you're going. <laughs> and then they give the side effects. They, right. they have to list all the side effects. So it'll say things like, oh, and if you have thoughts of suicide, call your doctor. <laughs> oh, in, in other words, uh, some of these medicines actually make your depression worse. Right, right. They actually uh, will give you suicidal thoughts. And I don't know, uh, you know, I know that uh, Robin Williams had gone back into rehab, not because he had relapsed, but because he just wanted to be there to kind of like get away from the world yeah. a little bit and kind of like reset himself. And uh, I don't know what kind of medication he was on, but I'll bet it wasn't anything natural, and I'll bet that it was one of these drugs that in some cases can even make it worse uh, rather than making it better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, interesting to see what has become of what was supposed to be a medical profession. It's really become more of a medical industry. Like, I, I did a checkup with a doctor because I got uh, health insurance here in California under Obamacare. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not really called Obamacare, but uh, <laughs> that's what people no, call it. Because then no one would like it. So right, 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 and so uh, you know, I they give you an annual checkup for free, uh-huh. and I did this annual checkup, and the, oh, right away this doctor is trying to give me medicine, <laughs> and I'm saying like, why? You know, and he couldn't really adequately explain it, and these doctors, uh, of course, if they write a prescription, they get part of that money, and uh, you know, it's just a little, uh, you know, self-serving for them, you know, to be prescribing all this medicine. Yeah. people. It's kind of like a conflict of interest, really. And I wonder how many people are on things that they don't really need to be on. And I'm not saying that there aren't medicines out there that can help you. You know, if you have high blood pressure or, or if, uh, you know, you have something that really does need to be treated, sure, uh, there are things that can sometimes help. But there are also uh, natural methods, natural remedies for things. Uh, I happen to be of the belief that for every uh, illness, uh, there's a natural cure. It, it's like that's duality. You yeah. Know, you have good and yeah. bad everywhere in the world. So if you have a bad thing like a disease, you also have a cure for it. It's just that uh, we haven't spent enough time looking for things that actually work. Now, one of the things that actually works uh, when it comes to such a difficult subject like suicide is breaking the thought patterns of the people who are depressed. And uh, I can say this from personal experience because people who have read my books know that I was depressed for a very long time, probably from the time I was 14 to the time I was about 28. And, uh, you know, I like to joke that the only reason I didn't commit suicide was because I had absolutely no ambition whatsoever. (laughs) And uh, I want to read something. It's just just two paragraphs, but it's from uh, Your Immortal Reality, Art and Cursa, where we're talking about suicide. And uh, they say suicide is the biggest problem in the world that the world is in total denial of. It's the dirty little secret of the ego. Sure, people know about suicide, but they have no idea how widespread it is. Uh, More people die from suicide than are killed by all of the wars and all of the crime in the world combined. Uh, Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to examine it. If someone is depressed, the system will put them on drugs and never look at the reasons. That's because the ego doesn't want to look at the issue of unconscious guilt, which is the real cause of the problem. It's the real cause of suicide. The ego runs away from looking at it as fast as possible because the real cause of suicide is unconscious and it's guilt that is in the mind 
And the ego doesn't want to go there. The ego doesn't want to go to the mind. So uh, what it would rather do is have you know, somebody give you drugs you know, to treat it, which just keeps the problem in place. It doesn't really treat the cause of anything. It just you know, is treating a symptom. But that's like trying to fix something on a movie screen you know, by trying to fix the movie screen right. instead of trying to fix what's in the projector, uh, which is the cause of what's on the screen. And I think that the Course would say, you know, the real way out in the long run, and, you know, uh, to be sure, there are some people, maybe uh, one in five, with really bad depression who may need medication temporarily. Uh, certainly nowhere near the number of people who are being given medication. No, it seems but, to be just handed out, as you said, pretty routinely, uh, without you know, really examining and certainly examining any other options up front, you know, and, uh, you know, one thing, and maybe this, this ties in a little bit as an example in the Robin Williams case, you know, when I think about, I've had a lot of depression issues in my life, but it was always one on examination. It was like circumstantial depression. And they would say classic depression. If, if, you know, if your wife has cancer and your father just died and your cat just got run over and you're just so depressed, you don't have depression. You're incredibly sad because your life stinks right now. So that's not actual depression, even though we would say, well, I'm depressed today. But real depression is when you're depressed for no apparent reason. There's no cause. There's no circumstance. And I said, you know, looking at Robin Williams, because this seemed like such a supreme example of this, here's someone who, who has spent his life, you know, since early adulthood, massively successful doing what he loves to do. Apparently, never, <laughs> never met a challenge that didn't work out really well for him. You know, I think I'll do this. Great. You have massive success. Well, I'll try this now. Wow. We couldn't give you more response on that. And just, you know, and he's a massively talented guy. So he had the talent. He had the reception to that talent. He didn't meet with brick walls that, that always stopped him everywhere. Everything worked. Money. I mean, I don't know what he was worth, but look at the, they said the films he was in brought in together over $3 billion in revenue and he obviously had percentages of most of those so he had to be massively wealthy finances weren't a problem people loved him not just enjoyed his work people had a real love for this guy and showed it and apparently he was fully aware of that and he responded in loving ways he for all all that we know he had a, a good marriage going on he had had drug and alcohol problems but they were not current right now apparently that was well under control he was he didn't have those demons gnawing at him so what makes you kill yourself when everything in life is going by anybody's standards so perfectly and yet there was something in there that drove him to this so there's your you know as you just addressed the subconscious well of guilt and it's not over guilt of anything you've done wrong in this life it's this subconscious guilt being carried forever you know since the beginning of time really how do you address that well it's like this in uh, in the case of the majority of people with depression, and I know because uh, changing, really changing the thought patterns, breaking the patterns worked for me. Mm -hmm. Because what snapped me out of my depression was that I got a thought system. It, at first, it was the S training, and what it did was it got me to think differently. And it's really the, the thoughts that cause depression, and it's the depression and the pain that's associated with it, which is really unconscious guilt, but we don't usually think of it that way. Like yeah. We have uh, pain in our body, 
it's not really in the body. It's uh, in the mind, and it's caused by unconscious guilt. That's the same with uh, psychological pain. You know, psychological pain, we think of it as being, you know, in our conscious mind, but it's actually caused by what's in the unconscious mind, and the only way out is to undo that which is in the unconscious mind by uh, thinking a certain way, practicing a certain kind of forgiveness, and undoing the ego. Now, that is true for most people. Uh, for some people, as I said earlier, maybe one in five, they may actually need some kind of medication. But that doesn't mean that you can't do the course. You can still do the course. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, even when you are on medication. Well, the, the, the medication is working on the brain, which is part of the physiology, and that does affect how we think. We think through the brain, not with it, but it's like the computer that we use to process the, the world. But then the course is working there, too, but it's mostly working with the mind, the real thought system. So, yeah, you, as you said, the meds could be treating that the same way you might treat high blood pressure with the meds while you do other things. You know, so you can treat the meds to stop your brain from making bad chemicals that it's doing and at the same time be treating the corrupted thought system that, that the course is addressing by the removal of the guilt through the forgiveness process. Right, like um, you see in the third book that uh, in his uh, final lifetime, uh, which is 100 years from now in Chicago, uh, Artin, of course one of my teachers, he was a psychiatrist in that final lifetime, but he was kind of a pioneer of treating his patients by changing their thoughts. And he only prescribed medication if he absolutely had to. Yeah. You know, so he, and he wrote uh, articles and things about it. And knowing Artin as well as I do, I'd say he probably was uh, delivering them with a few wisecracks along the way, Gare. <laughs> yeah, probably. And, uh, you know, that brings up, uh, you know, kind of like what the Course says about things like suicide. For example, uh, the Course itself does not use the word suicide, uh, not once. Yeah. But... It does certainly uh, say things that would make it pretty clear what the Course is saying about the subject. For example, it says, the world is not left by death, but by truth. So if you kill yourself, obviously, you're not really leaving the world. Right. And you're going to come back. And the only thing that's going to get you out of here is the full recognition of the atonement, the full recognition of the truth. And that's really the only way out. Now, the Course, as you know, also says... You know, trials are but lessons presented once again, so that where you made a faulty choice before, now you can make a better one, and thus escape all the pain that your previous decision has brought to you. Well, that's not true within the scope of just one lifetime. It's uh, true from lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. And when I say that, I'm not saying that you actually incarnate into a body because you never do. Right. But it looks that way. You think you do. Yeah. 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 It's like an optical illusion, you know. And so we think that we're in a body, even though we're not, and we feel trapped. And, uh, you know, that whole uh, thing of depression is caused by that separation. It's like, uh, you know, the whole feeling of deprivation. The Course says, you know, a sense of separation from God is the only lack you really need correct. But uh, unless you get to talk to somebody like Robin Williams or, you know, people who couldn't sleep who ended up dead, like uh, Michael Jackson and Heath Ledger and people like that, then they're going to try the traditional means of treating things like that, which is mostly drugs. And uh, in most cases, it doesn't really work. You know, yeah. just... 
there's a long, long list of people. There's got to be better ways, though, and not to get into pharmaceutical stuff, but there's got to be better ways to treat sleeplessness, even pharmacologically, than that. Uh, now, I think in Michael Jackson's case, uh, it you know, with propofol, when I was in the hospital, I had propofol before the surgery. And uh, and then also during the endoscopy, they had, they had given me that pro. And it was funny because not too long ago, you know, Louis Black, the comedian. He, yeah, it's probably he was on the uh, on with Jimmy Fallon on the Tonight Show, and they probably have a clip on YouTube if you can look it up. He did a whole thing about because he had to go in for a colonoscopy or something, and they gave him propofol. And he is so funny, and he talks about <laughs> you think you've slept well before, you have never slept like this. Taking propofol, this this was like sleep where sleep goes when it dies. It was just one of the most restful, you know. And <laughs> it's so funny, but. It it is amazing because I mean I think I've explained I'll make it real quick my experience was because I'm I had really bad ether anesthesia experiences as a kid twice and that was a nightmare whole different story so I had never had anesthesia since then in my whole life and I was nervous I said because oh god if it's anything like that you know but in the middle of my big crisis I was leaving it all up to the Holy Spirit honestly and it was just like okay whatever it's gonna be what are you gonna do I died I came back they're gonna give me this stuff how bad can it be and the propofol was okay so I said what's gonna happen well we're you know we're gonna start the IV and uh, you know we'll we'll you know you don't have to counter anything you should just uh, you know, just go out and then you know and I'm going okay I'm waiting I'm like I'm waiting for a dizziness wave or something to start what's what's this transition gonna be like hmm Okay, Mr. Bogart, we're done. What? Yeah, that was it. It was like a switch. On, off, bing, bing. Nothing. No no weird feeling going in. No weird feeling coming out. Just the brain. We just flip the like a sleep button on the computer, and then you're back. <laughs> Quicker than the bing, bing. I said, no wonder Michael Jackson liked it. It just takes you out of the momentary nightmare you're having trying to sleep. But it's not actual sleep. It's just shutting off the brain. The brain doesn't shut off when you sleep. It processes stuff, and it needs to be doing that in the sleep cycle, and you don't get that under propofol or any anesthesia. So it, it doesn't help, but, uh, but it's, a, it's a great process, so I highly recommend it, but not as a sleep aid. So I can't believe that nobody, maybe he just wasn't seeking it out, Michael Jackson, that, you know, because it can torture you. You know, I guess everybody has had some time when we've had some kind of insomnia and you get miserable. It's like sleep deprivation is a torture technique. It's horrible. So I, I fully empathize with people, but there's got to be a better solution in the short term medically. But as you say, when you solve those underlying problems, then the brain resets itself as a reaction to that, and, and suddenly it, uh, uh, it alleviates the need for the medical, pro the medical solution. Right. Well, yeah, first of all, as you know, you're not supposed to, no doctor is supposed to use anesthesia outside of a hospital. Right, you know, and, so, uh, and not yeah. for the purpose other than to put you out for a treatment of some kind. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of uh, malpractice right there. But, um, you know, Arden Persa said, you know, there are... Uh, natural solutions. For example, they said if you're having trouble sleeping, you have insomnia, uh, take a couple of tablespoons full of honey uh, yeah. before you go to bed. And, uh, you know, for most people, you'll be asleep in a half an hour. Hmm. And uh, I don't usually have trouble sleeping, so I haven't tried it, but Cindy tried it, and she doesn't always have trouble sleeping either, but she was, and she tried it, and she was asleep in a half an hour. And I have a friend named Jerry, 
who was having trouble sleeping, and he tried it, and he was asleep in a half an hour. So I think that there are, you know, natural things that people can try. Yes, uh, it's still what the Course would call magic, because oh, it's yeah. using illusions to treat illusions, but it's not going to kill you. You know, and uh, I think that uh, that's definitely preferable. And eventually, if you get into the habit of going to sleep at night, well, maybe you won't need the honey anymore. So uh, you can, because you, you have kind of like a mind that is racing. I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people tell me they have trouble sleeping. They're saying, well, they just can't stop thinking. Right, <laughs> kind of, right. Yeah, their mind keeps racing. And uh, that kind of slows you down a little bit. I, I was like that when I was a lot younger. I, I would often have that problem. My mind was just like, just, you know, one thought leading to another. It's like all this free association. It was like it can't, it was like almost like a fireworks show going on. And, and you know, and not, not like a wondrous thing, but just an annoying thing. And I couldn't sleep. And I noticed a lot of that after I, I had studied and practiced meditation that I really have never had a sleep problem since then. I think just because yeah. that simple technique of just quieting your mind, if your body's tired anyway, one of the problems with meditation is you can fall asleep and then you're no longer meditating, you're just sleeping. But when you want to sleep, then that's a good solution. You meditate for a while and you're sleeping, you know, so um, yeah. it, that can often work. That was my experience, too, that uh, yeah. you know, meditation is definitely helpful. Yeah, uh, for something like that. And as you say, and, it's a magic. Uh, it's a magic solution because you're tricking your brain into quieting down. So it's all meat body stuff that you're still doing. But you know, we still think we're in a meat body. We, no matter how advanced we get, if we're here talking to each other in two meat bodies, we still have some belief that we're in them. So while that's the case, this is the, the purpose of the body is to work through these issues to use it as a communication device, both to communicate with our real self and and with others. You know, so yeah, I want to mention that um, you know, since the disappearance of the universe came out, and it's been over uh, eleven years now. Yeah, and uh, from time to time, every few months, somebody will come up to me at a workshop, and they'll they'll say, you know, I was uh, really planning on killing myself, and I read Disappearance, and I realized that if I killed myself, I'd just have to come back here again and go through the same thing all over again until I practice forgiveness. So I figured, you know, why not uh, get everything I can out of this lifetime? Why not forgive yeah. as much as I can and heal as much as I can, and then I won't have to keep going through the same thing over and over again? And I think that uh, a lot of course students, a lot of people who read my books understand that, and it makes them realize that they can use this lifetime uh, for a, a great purpose, which is to allow the Holy Spirit to heal that which is in their unconscious mind. So you have kind of like that group of people. Then you have another group of people who is one of those one in five who is really pretty bad off. Uh, for example, well, I was looking at uh, Facebook today, and Giddy Up Mikey, our friend, uh, mm -hmm. he, he posted something that Arden person said about suicide. And then this guy responded, I won't give his name, although he's not keeping it a secret because he, he gives his name right on Facebook. But uh, you know, he says to Mikey, he says, uh, thank you so much. I think about suicide every day. I want out of this hellhole so badly. I absolutely despise myself. Uh, everything I read in The Course in Miracles seems to confirm suicide is an okay idea. That's not true, by the way. Uh, why stay in this hell for an extra 50 years if I'm going to die in the end anyway? It's not like anyone has become enlightened from reading The Course. 
uh, well, no, but people have become enlightened from doing the course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's like... Um, I, don't, I don't mean to laugh at that, but it just, it, it, there is a difference between reading it and doing it, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, this, this guy is, I think, one of those five that is, uh, you know, really uh, bad off. And I, I'm going to write to him, and I'm going to say, look, uh, if you need medication, that's okay. But, you know, uh, you're so depressed that some of these things that you're saying uh, just are not true. You know, uh, the course does not endorse the idea of suicide, just the opposite. If you go by the things that I quoted uh, a few minutes ago, it's really saying, look, uh, you know, these trials are lessons, and they're going to be presented once again if you don't take advantage of them now. Right. And you, you don't leave the world when you kill yourself. You just come back again. And uh, he says, why stay in this uh, hell for an extra 50 years? Well, because you can use that 50 years to really heal. Yeah, and do a lot of good. And you're gonna and, you're you're gonna be in the hell for the other fifty years, whether you do it in another a different lifetime or the one you currently are in. It's still going to be the same perception of time for you. Let me jump in with one idea too. While the course does it, the course speaks an awful lot about death, because obviously that's a that's the big deal that we all deal with when we think we're living in a body, and it doesn't deal directly with suicide. But I I believe it's quite clear. If, you, if you're understanding the course, that if if the well of unconscious guilt is what's causing all of the problems we think we're having, then dying doesn't change that. If you're not done with your learning, you'll come back and learn more. You'll just think you're in a different body and still be learning. The process will continue. The only thing suicide does is to increase the well of guilt because it's one more thing you believe you did wrong. Whereas if you if you just get hit by a meteorite, there's no guilt about that. Oh, I was just the wrong place, wrong time, and now I'm in a new life, and wow, what's this forgiveness stuff that seems familiar to me? And you continue your learning. But you kill yourself, and now you fester with that, and your next life won't be as pleasant. Right. We're not saying that people who kill themselves should feel guilty, but we are saying no. that they will, they will feel guilty. Right, right. Not that you should, but you will. You'll make yourself feel that way. Those are just the facts, so don't do that. It hurts when I do this. Don't do this. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me, the two things I want to get to. One of them has to do with Helen, and I've got a note in my hand here, a, a post-it note, which I refer to as chaos notes, because Helen has like 10,000 of them around, and it's just <laughs> chaos. And they all look the same until you actually can look at the pencil writing on them. But I have this one here. But the other one was, I had, uh, we, I knew we were going to talk about the guilt issue here. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> I should be able to, <clears throat> I should be able to, to edit that out, but I'm not done with it yet. Hang on. <clears throat> Man, I literally got choked up. It's a good thing we're not live. By okay. the way, Gene, if, if you ever do uh, kill yourself, uh, why don't you do it while we're on the air? I can uh, oh, that would be the way to go. That would make news. Then I'd become rich and famous. Because then it would go totally viral, 20 million hits on, on YouTube or wherever we would have this. And uh, and then they would, you know, tons. Well, I would leave Helen well set up. The millions would come. No, you would end up with the money. We'd get nothing. That's what would happen. That's not true. I'd, I'd, give, I'd give her half. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's worth spattering my brains across the top of the studio ceiling here for that purpose. I don't know what I'm going to... Hey, since we said that, I think the people who listen should know and I think that most of them do know that we don't charge any money for uh, these podcasts. And you do all this work uh, on the podcast, and, and you don't ask for uh, a dime from anybody who listens. And uh, I think that you know that's a really cool thing that you do. So well, yeah, thank I salute you. you for that. 
you know, I won't get into the thing with our fundraiser. I do want to just mention, because people are probably already aware of that, and it's been working really well. We just recently cleared halfway to our goal. This is to alleviate the financial disaster we've been in from my medical crisis, and now with my eye situation. You can see all about it at at Forgiveness.tv. But I, I wanted just to embed a big thank you to everybody who continues to help us out with that here. Um, what was the point I was going to get to with that? There was you were just saying. Well, it had to do with guilt, and I uh, <coughs> a note. Oh, about yeah, the the Hel- Helen, yeah, Helen's note. But there, um, there was something I'm missing. But the other thing, though, quickly, because you were talking about that guy who had written in, I wonder if it could be the same person. I had an email from someone not long ago, and it was a question for Gary, and it had to do with this exact same subject. Now. Quickly, in Bogartlandian perfection, the email is mysteriously gone. It's just been removed from my universe. I know that I did not erase it. I have like a backup where they originally come into before I even deal with them, and those never get touched. It's not there anymore. It's not in a spam filter. It's just gone. And I literally, I told you this, I've spent over four hours looking for this one message because it was so appropriate for what we're doing here. So to that person, and I don't remember the name, I hate myself sometimes. Um, Anyway, I, I want to apologize for that because in a nutshell, it was a slight twist on what you just said. It was someone who said they've been stu- and and please get back in touch with me, whoever you are. If you're hearing this, please do that because I, I do want to follow up. Um, it, it, he had, it sounded I, it was a male, I'm sure, a guy. Uh, he had said that he's been studying the course, listening to the podcast, reading your books and stuff, and our work. Uh, and he said it, it's he really feels like he's making great progress. But the one thing is, because of because of the realizations that he's been getting, and because of the sort of the world is not real aspect, and he he didn't seem confused about that. But he said he's been having more and more thoughts of suicide in his life. And he says, not that I'm going to go out and do it, but I keep thinking about it, and I didn't really do that before. And that's only come about since my study of the course. And he, he kind of said, am I doing something wrong, or what can I do to not think this way? How can I reset that? So I think I've captured the the gist of the question as I best remember it. Uh, and I, wa- I wanted to run that past you, Gare, because it sounded a lot like what you were just saying from this other fellow that was talking to Mikey. Yeah, and uh, I think what I'll do after we record is I'll, I'm going to send you this guy's uh, comment from Facebook. And okay. It will include his name. Okay. So you'll be able to look it up. Maybe you still do have uh, the email. Uh-huh. But uh, if you choose to, you can always uh, write to him yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's easy. once you have the name, it's easy to look him up at uh, Facebook. So, uh, yeah, I'll send that to you. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's all the same idea. I think that with most people, you can break the thought patterns. I know that it's possible because it happened to me. Yeah. And uh, Do you think the course, are... though, can trigger it? Can doing the course, because like, it's like, you know, when you exercise, you hurt at first. Is it anything like that for people, that now that I'm studying about forgiveness and, and the non-reality of the universe, and all of a sudden I have these thoughts, is that somehow triggering that, or is the ego rebounding against your newfound knowledge of this, or what do you think that tie-in might be? Right. It's not really uh, the course that causes anybody any pain or suffering. It's the ego's reaction to the course. Yeah. So it's like uh, it is possible for some people that they may actually feel worse at first. Uh, the course talks about a period of unsettling. It yeah. talks about uh, in the bridge to the real world that uh, when you're making that transition to reality, it can actually result in a period of confusion, 
that actual symptoms may occur. And if there are physical symptoms that are possible, like we've talked about the, the symptoms of vertigo that some people have when they do the course, well, it's possible to have physical symptoms, and it's also possible uh, to have psychological symptoms. Right. So uh, it can seem at first, and, and this isn't true for most people, but for some people it can actually seem like things are getting worse at first. And I think what they need to remember is that the events that occur in their lives, it's not like the course is making bad things happen. Uh, those things would have happened anyway. Right. Because that's the script. You know, as the course says, the script is written. So it's not like the course is making bad things happen. It's just that you're more aware of them, and as you forgive things, there's unconscious guilt that maybe was lying dormant in the mind that you weren't in touch with, and some of it is coming to the surface. And the reason that it's coming to the surface is to be forgiven. But uh, you may not, you know, be too thrilled about that at first. If you start to feel uh, uncomfortable, it's because the ego is kind of like defending itself. Because uh, the ego senses on some level that this is not good for the ego, that this is death to the ego, and that's why the Course says that its range of emotions will suddenly shift from suspiciousness to viciousness. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you are beginning to regard yourself as loving, and that does not fit with the ego's interpretation of you. Right. And uh, the Course says that uh, because you are not agreeing with the ego, it will be angry because you're not in accord with its evaluation of you, and it will attack so that can show up in many different ways. Uh, for most people, if uh, there's symptoms that occur, it's some kind of physical sickness of some kind. And sometimes it's very minor. Uh, but if it's a serious illness, I think it's safe to say that that would have happened anyway. It's like uh, the course doesn't create cancer in you, for example. You know, it, you either get it or you don't, and you would have gotten it whether you did the course or not. It's just that uh, there are all kinds of things associated with it especially psychological pain, that uh, may come to the surface at first, but that's because it needs to be forgiven. And if you forgive it, well, you can experience illness in a very different way. Uh, For example, you know, the last couple of years with uh, your health problems, you've had a way of looking at it that got you through it, that enabled you to look at it with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And the Holy Spirit's going to have a totally different interpretation and a completely different story than the ego. And I think that if you persevere, which may be the hard part, then uh, eventually the Holy Spirit has to win because even though the ego is ingenious, as the Course says, it's not uh, perfect. And the Holy Spirit is perfect, which is why the Holy Spirit has to win uh, in the long run. So, you know, if you have that quality of perseverance where you're determined and you have to really want it, you know, it's like when the Course says be vigilant only for God and His kingdom, uh, that's a pretty tall order. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Be vigilant for God and His kingdom. And it says about the words, I want the peace of God. You know, to say these words is nothing, but to mean these words is everything. Right. Well, you show that you mean these words through your practice. You know, we said a few minutes ago, you know, reading the Course is one thing, but that's not doing it. you got to yeah. actually do it. The experience and, that you get from doing it, yeah. Right. It's it's the practice of forgiveness that undoes the ego, and as you undo the ego, it changes your experience. And uh, I don't want to discourage people by saying, you know, sometimes it can seem that things are getting worse, because in the long run, it does get easier. I found that uh, forgiveness, the more you practice it, 
just like if you practice the guitar every day, you know, you're going to get good at it. If you practice the piano every day, you're going to get good. Well, if you practice forgiveness every day, you're going to get good at it. And uh, you'll get better and better, and it does get easier because you're so used to it. It becomes a habit. It becomes so much a part of you that it's just natural. But that's a transition because right now, for most people, judgment and condemnation come naturally. And what the Course is doing is retraining the mind so that forgiveness and uh, thinking with the Holy Spirit will come naturally to you. But that's the adoption of a totally different thought system, and that does take some time and work. But it is so worth doing that uh, it's it's just uh, the difference between night and day because it's a better quality of life. And, you know, you brought up a moment ago about just over three years ago when I had my point-of-death experience in my medical crisis and was either dead for a time or hovering at the edge. Uh, We don't know. The doctor did tell me there was no medical reason why I was alive because I had no blood in me when they brought me in. But somehow I was. The thing we're talking about, though, is how do you deal with that? And as I've said before, either that type of thing is going to be the most terrifying thing. I mean, what could be more terrifying than staring into death and dissolution? What comes next? Oh, my God. And I found myself in a complete state of peace. And I would not have done that had I not been doing the course for as long as I have. And as you just said, it's you cannot put a, a price tag on that. It's immeasurable. Um, and, and yeah, yeah it's, uh, the, let me bring up this thing here that, uh, that I had mentioned about that Helen brought to my attention just a few days ago. We were uh, doing, because we do the workbook every day, especially I want to say hello to all our on-course group members. And, boy, doing the workbook. This is now my seventh time doing the workbook. And even though it's required only that we do it once, I can assure you, and you and I have talked about this, doing it multiple times, the benefits grow, the experience becomes so deep and natural, you can't imagine what it was like before. It's just transformational. Anyway, that's my pitch to join the group. <laughs> but it doesn't matter but to do it. But I think when you're doing it with a group of other folks, it's more of a of a thing to do it every day. And that's even after you've done it, do it again. And it just gets stronger. We were doing lesson 224 just a few days ago. And each of the sections in part two, each of the lessons is comprised of basically a short lesson segment and then a short prayer segment, which if you if you have the book, it's the part in italics, where we are literally addressing god we're literally praying to god jesus with us and and we're saying these together and the prayer section of that i'll read it here uh because we were talking about this in in reference to robin williams and what was it that would force someone to be so sad and so hopeless that they would end their life when in a worldly sense as we said before a person like robin williams had Everything that anyone could imagine in the world, wealth, fame, love, adoration, personal and and professional success, I mean, just in every way. So what is still there that would be so sad? And this one section, the prayer from Lesson 24, here it is. My name, O Father, is still known to you. I have forgotten it and do not know where I am going, who I am, or what it is I do. Remind me, Father, now, for I am weary of the world I see. Reveal what you would have me see instead. And that line about weary, for I am weary of the world I see, 
this is at the very core of the sadness that any of us can feel and and it reminded me of of earlier lessons uh where we had two lessons in a row it's the one i'm looking oh it was uh the world i see holds nothing that i want and that could be very depressing if you're if that's your lesson this you look out and you go this is hopeless it's bleak i'm weary of it. it there's nothing that i want and the very next lesson this is earlier in the workbook says beyond this world there is a world i want that's the world that that the holy spirit shows us that's the world god intends us to see so i'm weary of the world i see but god reveal what you would have me see in its place instead of it and I wonder if, if uh, oh, and, and as we talked about this, Helen wanted me to make sure I mentioned, because at the end we were saying how, you know, you have to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to show us the truth, show us that this world that we're weary of, this is not real, that beyond this there is something we do want, and it is there for us, and we just have to awaken to it. And we were saying how suicide is not the way to do that. And Helen had a great quote, and she said, yeah, suicide, it's the back door to nowhere, I said, wow, what a great, maybe we'll do a title if we ever do a book on on suicide. We think of death as like leaving through the front door. Nothing to be ashamed of. It just happens. But it, of course, it takes you nowhere because you're in another meat body and another lifetime and you still have the same lessons to learn. But suicide is the back door, the one nobody wants to see. As you said from Martin and Persa, it's the secret nobody wants to talk about. And someone who commits suicide, again, not that you should have any guilt, but you do. Why? Because you cut out through the back door. Because you didn't want to finish it up and walk out the front like normal people. So, you know, the back door to nowhere. That's quite a statement. Well, you can thank really Helen for that, because that was a great line. Absolutely. And, uh, Ashley, I want to write to uh, this gentleman at Facebook and tell him to listen to his podcast, because we do address his question yeah. uh, specifically. You know, and it was funny, I was going to make a joke about it, and, and it's, I like the fact, and people who know us know we joke about everything, so here we're joking about killing yourself. I know it's not funny to people who've had loved ones do it. It probably is funny to people who've done it. I think when you come back in another, maybe that's why I find it so funny, because maybe I did in a previous life, and maybe that's why I never did in this life, no matter how bad things got, and I used to think about suicide a lot. Uh, well, I don't want to get into that too much right here, but I did. I could not be more grateful, honestly, that I never did that because I wouldn't know what I know now. I wouldn't have the experience. I would not have had the experience of peace when I was at the point of death because all of that came because I stayed. As you said, stay here and learn these things. Make it one with you, and then you won't have to deal with them anymore because otherwise you'll just have to do it again. So the growth is, is, is palpable, you know. That's right, and that's probably the best reason to stick around if it's at all possible. I realize, you know, look, there's going to be uh, some people who are in so much pain that uh, they're just not going to be able to stay here. Robin Williams is an example of yeah. I'm sure yeah. that, uh, you know, if he uh gone on a spiritual path uh, when he was younger, like I did, and I don't think he had anybody to tell him these things, but if, you know, when he was, you know, I got on a spiritual path when I was maybe 27, 28, if he had gotten on a spiritual path when he was 27 or 28, and, you know, he talks about how he would stay up all night partying, doing cocaine, and, uh, you know, that's not going to really solve a problem. It's just going to make it worse. And, uh, of course, all the alcohol doesn't help either. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, 
being holier than thou because I drink, but it's like uh, there is a point where you can start to break the pattern of thought that leads to depression. And that's all I'm saying, that, that uh, you know, people, if they have something to talk to them about this and if they can learn about this, and if they're open to it, which you have to be, then I think it is possible to start going in the right direction instead of the wrong direction. You know, I think, too, that maybe... Uh pure speculation, and a lot of it is just what we want to think. But you look at a guy like Robin Williams, who not only was so funny, but from all accounts, we've been reading a lot of them in the last week or so here, uh, he was so kind and helpful to people and generous. And uh, uh, Norm MacDonald, the comedian, wrote a really nice piece um, about when he first met him, and I think it was going to be going on The Letterman Show, I think, and it was his first appearance when he was just starting out, and Robin Williams was like, you know, already hugely famous, and and you know, and he was so nervous, and he said what Robin Williams spent like a half hour clowning around with him backstage before they went out, it just put him totally at ease, and he said, what a gift, because here this guy's a big star, he could, hey, step aside, kid, and he went out of his way with nobody there to see it. So that nobody was talking about, oh, Robin Williams is so nice. He just did it quietly, just because he cared, and he was so kind. And I'd like to think that even even with the suicide, because it, w it was not a suicide of violence, it was really a suicide of sadness, and that maybe whatever guilt may come from that, maybe it was also balanced by a gift of some kind that perhaps he receives in a spiritual sense, that all of his kindness, all that good karma, if you will, somehow comes to bless him and maybe his next life will be one of real peace and real growth because uh, he deserves it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, he was known for that. He was known for uh, really spending time with people, really making them feel good, helping them. Uh, he was extremely generous. He paid for people to go to college. Wow. Uh, you know, he just, uh, you know, people he didn't even know in some cases. And uh, he was just a very, very generous uh, person. And that's the example of the Holy Spirit in his mind. That's an example of right-mindedness, which he also had. And, uh, you know, that's duality. And the only uh, sad thing is, is that when the ego is there, there's really only one thing that you can do with the ego, and that's undo it. Yeah. You know, there are, I've said this before, but there are people out there who will teach you that you should uh, make friends with your ego. <laughs> and uh, I've got news from the ego is not interested in being your friend. Right. Uh, the ego wants to kill you, because if you die, uh, whether it's by suicide or some other means, or even if you can be hurt... And that means that you're a body, it means that you're an individual, it means that you're separate, and the whole ego thought system of separation remains intact. So that's why I tell people, look, the, the only thing that you can do with your ego is undo it. That's why the Course says that salvation is undoing it. And the way to do that is through forgiveness, because forgiveness is the means of the atonement. So, uh, you know, it, it's always going to come back to that, and uh, at the same time, any way that we can think of to help people, uh, in whatever way we can help them just stay alive so that they can have the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to grow, uh, it's definitely worth doing. And uh, even though the truth is simple, the ego is not. The ego is very complex, which is why the Course says that the curriculum is highly individualized. Yeah. And yeah. So everybody has you know, uh, a complicated ego, uh, and everybody has the truth. 
and the truth is simple, and the ego is not. So it'll seem very complex, but no matter how complex it is, you can undo it through forgiveness. And so that's why that's what it's always going to come back to. You can't fight the ego. You know, you can't even get mad at it because it likes that. Because <laughs> those types yeah. of aggressive responses are what it does and what it lives for in, in whatever way it appears to live. So as you said, the only thing is to literally to undo it, peel it back. And you can only do that through forgiving it. You recognize it. You accept it. If you get angry, you feel the anger, and you go, okay, yeah, I'd like to rip the ego's damn throat out. And then you go, okay, well, that's a thought that needs to be forgiven. And you let it go. And that's the process. And as we do that more and more, you get to where, you know. Now, the one thing I'll say, and I've talked about this before, is that, you know, my whole Bogart land thing is I think the ego has has figured out if you if you're making progress, it really pulls out all the stops. You know, as we said before, I'll, I'll repeat it here because it's appropriate. Uh, there was a great old Rodney Dangerfield joke. I have to get into, oh, got no respect at all, getting into character there. And he, he would say, oh, you know, a lot of people, they wake up and it's a, oh, it's a sunny day. The birds are chirping outside. It's going to be wonderful. Not for me. Oh, no. I, I wake up and there's like a voice waiting for me. And it says, you're going to get it good today. Today, you're going to be drinking early. <laughs> and I said, but I think that, that seriously, that as you, as you make progress, the ego says, oh, oh, you think you're making progress. Okay, here's something. This will really knock you back a few steps. So the only answer is to do it even more. So I think not to say that as people, you can look forward to a lot of crap in your life, but don't be surprised. Cause, you know, but the thing is, it won't bother you as much. I got killed for God's sake, and and I'm laughing about it, you know. So it it everything becomes easier to deal with, you know. It may not be easy at the moment, but as as you and I have talked about, you you don't you're not expected to do it instantly. The forgiveness thing, but the quicker the better, and it does start to become more and more instant. The more you do it, the more practice you get. So the guy cuts you off in traffic, you get mad for a second, and then he go, okay, there's a forgiveness opportunity. But after a while, you don't even get angry anymore. He cuts you off, you go, ah, you know, because it's just not, you know, but then something else will get your attention because the ego is complex. It'll keep throwing stuff at you from all over the place. But eventually, it, as you said, the course, you know, make it different by making it all the same. A hangnail or terminal cancer there's no difference you know so yeah i got a cold i died uh no difference it's all just part of the illusion you know any part of the illusion is not real and nothing is more not real than anything else it's all simply not real yeah well that's a good note to end on because i really have to get going but uh yeah this has been uh, an interesting show, not the uh, most pleasant of topics, but yeah. it's good that we're talking about it because, as Arden Persis said, uh, the world really doesn't want to look at it because it doesn't want to look at the issue of unconscious guilt, which is where our pain and suffering is really coming from. Uh, just like the Course says, I am never upset for the reason I think. Perfect. Yeah. It's because the reason is unconscious. And that unconscious guilt can be traced all the way back to the original idea of separation from God. And that's why that's the only problem that we really need correct. And that's done through forgiveness. Oh, by the way, uh, if people do want to contribute to your medical fund, is uh, forgiveness.tv the best place for them to go? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, Gary. And thank you. I, I, I do want to publicly acknowledge, too, Gary has given us a very generous contribution to help us in this process. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I've already told you this, but thank you, buddy. It really means an awful lot. Um, and the fact that you've helped to spread the word has, has really been what has opened this up in a big way for us. So thank you. Yes, uh, the easiest way is just there is a direct link. But if you go to forgiveness.tv, the main place where you find these podcasts and other stuff right at the front, uh, there's a thing. The first thing you see under our photo of Gary and I together is a little uh, box with some words in it that and you just click inside the box and that'll take you directly to our fundraising page at GoFundMe. And uh, well, that's just great. I, I, I'm going to get back to everybody individually, and at least with a quick thank you individually for everything that has come in. But I, I, I did a, a blanket thank you uh, message to everybody that then not only goes to those who have been donators or have made donations, donors, that's the word I'm seeking, uh, but then it also gets forwarded over to Facebook and stuff. So people have seen that I've done genera- general thank yous, and I do it again right here. This is more personal because people listen to this individually. So I always say when we're doing these shows, I always feel like I'm really speaking to each person when they're there. You you and I both feel that way. So for each of you listening, thank you if you have if you have donated to us even if you a few people have just had suggestions and well wishes for us that it believe, please believe me it means so much and uh and we're getting there this has been a, a godsend it has has given us a light at the end of the tunnel of our financial difficulty here we're we're by no means out of the woods but this alone right now is enough that at least uh, you know I'm already looking into what my options are to get the my my right eye fixed with the get the cataract surgery done uh, I don't have a specific doctor yet, but I do have someone in mind, thanks to a suggestion someone gave us. So um, I will be following up on all of that. But yeah, just go to forgiveness.tv, and you'll see the link right there for that. And, and uh, you know, I'll talk more about this separately, but, uh, you know, just a nice, general, sincere God bless you all for helping us with this. It really is life-changing for us, so thank you so much. And thank you, buddy. You, you're, uh, you've been the point man on this one for us, and, uh, you know, you know I love you, and I can't thank you enough. Well, Cindy and I send our love to uh, you and Helen, and uh, i got to run, but we'll talk again soon. Okay, yeah, and so folks will know, uh, my, well, we're going to talk soon. We hope to have another episode out fairly soon where we are going to address questions for Gary. It may be primarily a question show, and uh, we'll hopefully have news about that real quickly. But contrary to my popular style, uh, not that it's popular, but my regular style, I'm going to try to get this episode out much more quickly I have a plan to maybe be able to speed up the process here. So hopefully you'll be hearing this real fast. But, uh, yeah, thanks, buddy. Give a, a belly rub to Luna and, uh, and give a belly. You can give a belly rub to Cindy, too. Okay, I'll do, I'll do that. I'll make sure. <laughs> I figured you wouldn't mind. <laughs> right. Okay. Talk soon. Love you. Bye. I love you, buddy. Thanks. Bye. And just one more thing following up on our conversation with Gary. I think we uh, probably made it abundantly clear in our mixture of, of humor and seriousness in discussing something as seemingly serious as suicide. And I say seemingly because here in the course, in the world of the course, we're always dealing with uh, the illusion of the world compared to our actual reality. But while we seem to be in the world, it all seems very, very real to us. And uh, so I know that we were both joking about it and treating it with seriousness. And it, it is a serious issue as far as the world is concerned. Uh, and I just wanted to follow up by saying that uh, should anybody be dealing with any thoughts of suicide or 
people in your life who are, for whatever it's worth, I would just encourage you to drop me a line about that. Uh, my my email address is right there at the front page on the homepage of forgiveness.tv. And I'll certainly be happy, very happy to uh, do what I can to talk you off the ledge, so to speak, but to certainly talk about it, sharing it from my own perspective and uh, why I'm so grateful. And for whatever it was, there's reasons in my life when I've, I've thought about suicide many times from young age on. And there was always something that told me not to, and I never knew what that was. And I think uh, in my more recent years, more recent decades of studying A Course in Miracles, I found out what that was. And whether it was Jesus directly or the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure, but the voice was there. Something was always telling me, no, don't do that, no matter how desperate things seemed. And I'm so grateful that I did not because I would not have gotten to the point had I had I ended my life prematurely, I wouldn't have gotten to the point that I am now, where where I see this from the perspective that I can see it from this peaceful perspective, and even and things still do get horrible for me. Boy, you've heard me rant and rave about the stuff that goes on in Bogart Land, but you know it's still it's still better to be dealing with. Uh, unlike what I say at the end of each show when it comes to suicide, it is almost never the answer. So. Um, if you're ever thinking about that or or just want to talk about it, by all means, feel free to contact me. I know Gary would say the same thing. He is so inundated with, with communications, it, it might be tougher to get through to him. But I have a lot to deal with, too, but not as much as he does in that regard. So feel free to email me right there at forgiveness.tv. You'll see my email address. And I'm always more than happy to do whatever I can to bring peace to anybody and help, help maybe just help redirect your thinking on that or your thoughts and direct it to the Holy Spirit, who who is the one who heals those kinds of thoughts. So let me just leave it at that. So it's, you know, we always deal with, with both humor, but sometimes things are a little serious too. So either way, feel free to always be in touch. And I'll give out further in-touch information in just a moment, right after I tell you that the Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and distributed through that wonderful website, Forgiveness.tv. Who runs that thing? You must be a genius. All uh, verbal content of our podcast is copyright 2014. Gary Renard and Gene Bogart, all rights reserved, all grievances forgiven. As if there were any grievances. Well... In the illusion, perhaps there are. As I said, you can always contact me at Forgiveness.tv. You can contact Gary, or at least find out what he's doing. Even if you can't get hold of him, you can find out what he's doing. And that's a way of vicariously getting hold of him. At the website, he cleverly named himself GaryRenard.com. And that has his list of activities, where he's going and stuff. He is such a busy guy. Oi, he is so busy, he should calm down. I'm not nearly... Well, I'm busy. I just don't travel very much. But uh, Forgiveness.tv is the place to connect with me uh, to find out about our uh, our fundraising efforts, um, as well as uh, The End of Sacrifice, which is now available. My, my recording uh, has been out on CD for quite some time. It's now available also as a direct download. And you can find all that information at Forgiveness.tv. We'll be back with another Gary Renard podcast, hopefully very soon, and we're going to address questions for Gary at that time. But this seems like as good a time as any to address one final question. And that question is, 
whatever the question. This isn't a question, it's a statement. But, <laughs> but uh, again, real quickly, let me just thank you guys, all of you. And, and thank you for the ones who stick with it right to the very end of each podcast. I, I truly appreciate it because I know things get pretty loose. <laughs> And ridiculous. If you thought I was ridiculous earlier, by the end of the show, it's just, whoa, what is he doing now? Oh, but I, I very much appreciate all of you, especially your, the generosity for people who have been helping us out. I, I simply can't say enough how life-changing this is for Helen and I. And it has given us renewed hope uh, in terms of literally our very survival in the world. So thank you so much. And uh, hopefully, God willing, and with all of your help that we've been getting, I'll, I'll have my uh, my vision restored. I won't be a one-eyed person anymore. Uh, and I'll be able to actually have, have depth depth of vision, you know, depth perception. That'll be a, a new treat to have back again after after stumbling into things here for as long as I have been. But thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience in the times when it has been a long span between podcasts. Hopefully this one will be coming out quickly, and then hopefully we'll have another one not too long after that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And speaking of questions, never forget that whatever the question... Forgiveness is always the answer. And now I'm also recording it on Twisted Wave. Oh. It sounds pretty twisted. It is twisted. It is totally twisted. Okay, I'm just going to fire it up. We'll jump right in. This is episode 51. Uh, we'll... Let me blow my nose real quick. Okay, go ahead. Second. <coughs> yeah, I was hoping you'd have a funnier sound there, because we're recording. I thought I might have been able to use that somewhere. Like, I'll, I'll put in some kind of a comedy horn or something there. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to blow my nose. <laughs> it was mercifully quiet. Okay, so we're rolling, and... Uh, Okay, and the crowd, you guys ready out there? Okay, all right, stand by, everybody.